This is Discussions Around a Table, episode number 007. On this episode, we welcome back Eugene, as well as bringing a newcomer in Comrade. We're going to talk about Game of Thrones and have a lot of spoilers, so if you don't want to hear them, skip on to the next episode. But for all those who want to hear everything Game of Thrones, stay tuned and enjoy the episode. Alright, we're here with the discussion around our table. We're here today with a returning guest of Eugene, and then a first-time guest of Comrade. We're going to have a little bit of a spoiler cast for uh, Game of Thrones, so if you have not seen the entire season, or the entire series up to this point, this is the time you're going to want to turn it off, because there's going to be spoilers aplenty. But it's been out for what, you guys, like four months now since the I don't know. I just started watching it. You so. just started watching oh, it. But I think the, the last season ended like, what, a year and a half, two years ago, something like that. That wasn't that long ago. Feels like it. It feels like it. It's a year and a half or two years to the next one. But if you haven't got up to this point, you're going to want to find something else to listen to because we're going to be dishing on all the stuff that's going on, who's still alive, who's dead, where we think it's going to go, and that kind of stuff. So we'll kind of just start it off of you know, kind of your overall impressions, what got you kind of into it, and then we'll maybe just chip through the seasons on some stuff that we like. Some people were glad that are dead. Some people were sad that are dead, that kind of stuff. So... uh Comrade, since you're the new one, we'll have you started out. How'd you get into Game of Thrones? Like, what? I think you were the first one to watch it because I think we've all borrowed it from you. Yeah, yeah, I think I was. I uh, my brother had told me about it. You know, he read the books. He had really dove into the whole thing. Um, so he's like, "Hey, this is a really cool show. Graphics are awesome. The violence is awesome. The acting is good." So he, he's like, "Go for it." So I started watching it, and I immediately was hooked. You know, immediately first season. Um, you know, the fact that it was so spontaneous. I didn't know who... I never read the books. So, who was alive? Who was going to die? Everything. I didn't expect that, you know, main characters were going to get killed left and right. And it kept me on my toes, which was refreshing. So, Man, What about you, Eugene? When you kind of... You just got into it yeah. like two I, months ago? Yeah, it was about that. I just... I don't know. I had been trying to hold off because I knew it was a big rabbit hole that you get sucked down and... I didn't really want to get sucked down that rabbit hole because <laughs> anyway, I knew it would, from what everybody had told me, it was going to be something that's like, <laughs> once you start it, you're obsessed. And it's like, you have to finish it. And I was like, yeah. man, I've got too much stuff going on and I don't have time to do this. And so, yeah, I just started it. And I think it was a couple months, maybe. I think it was right at the start of your vacation. It's like June-ish, I think is when you started. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I was yeah. impressed that you finished uh, all seven seasons in... Seven seasons? Yeah, seven yeah, seasons. Seven. In, what, a month? Uh, I think it was two months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something, something like that. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I just did it. So I've watched it twice all the way through, and I just finished watching it for the second time all the way through, and I think I did it in like just over a month. I mean, working graveyard, you know, having five, six hours a night of not have anything else to do families in bed mm-hmm. or whatever i would just sit and just binge watch and it's one of those shows where even after starting back over it was just as entertaining and even i even liked it maybe a little bit more because one i, I kind of knew when some of the people were going to die who you really hate i'm like god i only have to suffer through this person for you know like the first one that like really drove me nuts was joffrey oh god oh, yeah. when, stand him. when they opt joffrey i was like yep i'm good so then knowing that watching it through the second time so I started watching it. I bought it from um, Comrade here probably, I don't know, maybe a year and oh, a half yeah. ago, two yeah, years ago, something ago. like that. Um, 
I think it was before you moved away and came back and decided you loved us so much you couldn't be without us. Yeah, that, I was actually kidnapped, so let's just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, and I guess for the record, we should kind of, you know, say how he got his nickname. Because you know. he's from the People's Republic of California. There is that. California yeah. Stan. California. you got to make it even yeah. worse. California Stan, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. So to all our California listeners, we do have you represented here. That's right. But, but he's please remember I'm he's been indoctrinated path. from, you know, all the... I think liberated is more an appropriate word. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's been indoctrinated into our side of it and that kind yeah. of stuff. So we, you know, did that reverse brainwash of all the nonsense he had to grow up with and whatnot. But Yeah, you know, you just had to kind of flush all that out. Yeah. But... Yeah. Whatever, no. I made it back. So yeah, I borrowed it from you. I remember the first time I was watching it, um, it was the, I don't know if it's episode one or episode two of the first season, when Jamie and Cersei are up in the tower. <laughs> I first, and my wife walks in as they're like in the middle of it, and she's like, what are you watching? <laughs> I'm like, whoa, hold on, hold on. It's not exactly what it looks like. I understand, but... What? It's, it's some like medieval porn. It's my thing, all right? But after that, I mean, I was probably, it only took maybe one or two episodes, and then, yeah, I was hooked, and it was like, I got to watch, and I binge-watched it the first time, and I borrowed as much as I could from you, and then ended up actually getting HBO Go to yep. get caught up on the rest of it, and it was, it's definitely my favorite series, that, and um, me and Eugene have been talking a little bit at work, that the fact that they're ending it in this next year, since, I mean, it's 2018 right now, depending on when you listen to this, and they're going to end it next year, sounds like they're going to split it over two Two sets of like a half a series, essentially? Yeah, so what I've heard is that the episodes are going to be like two hours long, and there's only going to be, I think, six or eight episodes, uh, which sucks, but I think at this point they're ahead of the books. Yeah, uh, I had heard that too. Which is why, obviously, they're stopping the series. And I'd heard uh, the author basically giving them carte blanche to kind of end it how they wanted to. That makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah, it's always fun loaning that out because... But I just, I just don't think that with the stuff that's going on, I don't think that you can really wrap it up yeah. in just one Even season. eight two-hour episodes. No. I mean, I mean, you have two distinct lines. I mean, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But I mean, we're, you have two distinct storylines that are going on right now with essentially the White Walkers coming down in that battle, and then you have the actual Game of Thrones battle that's going on. Yeah. So you could have one season for each one. And even the third season after that, and of just you know, however you want to kind of wrap everything up, finish up everybody's storylines or whatever. But, you know, I don't, you know, I've watched, I mean, I think all of us here have binge watched or watched series from start to finish. And towards the end of most series, it's like, yeah, okay, it it yeah. definitely is time to call it quits or maybe a couple seasons ago. Yeah. Where this one, I think you're, they're still on their rise. If they, I don't think they've peaked yet. I don't think everybody's like tired of it yet. Well, and they haven't, there's so much to the, you know, Game of Thrones world that you can explore so many different storylines. You know, they can open up a ton more different areas of the map, yada, yada, you know, new characters. So I'm almost hoping that even though this is going to be the quote-unquote last season, mm. I'm hoping that they'll leave a bunch of loose ends with, you know, the hope that eventually they'll start it up again. Yeah, I know that they were talking about doing like a, almost like a prequel type of stuff. Which would be awesome. But I heard a lot of like the off ones that they were going to do, like the little side um, ones that... They kind of, yeah, we're thinking about doing it. I think people bought the rights to them, but then they're like, but there's no actual production plans. Like, mm. they have them to own the rights, essentially, yeah. but no one's actually, there's no cast, there's no set schedule. I think the only one that might go through, they're talking about making, like, maybe a little mini-series for, like, the initial, like, when um, Robert Baratheon and... Yeah, um, Robert's Rebellion. That's what, that kind of stuff. That's but. what they should do, is everything they talk about that happened, you know, all the way up until when the Mad King was killed by Jamie Lannister. 
they could do that whole rebellion. They could do the Mad King's rule. They could do all that stuff, and I think it would be freaking awesome. Oh, it'd get uh, a, a heck of a lot of insight. In oh, yeah. Because uh, when they do some of the flashbacks and you see you know, the young Ned Stark and all that, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this, this could be very cool. Well, yep. so that's something I thought was interesting, it, especially when Sam was in the reading through, you know, a bunch of this stuff to uh, become a maester. And mm-hmm. one of the things I thought was interesting was I kind of got the impression that this was a cyclical event where, you know, this has happened before. Oh, okay. And yeah. so now... It's but it's been so long ago that yeah. like people you know the stories have been lost and people there's only like a few things that remain where people are even aware of it and so but like the, centuries the, later, the house is fighting or did the White Walkers come? The down? White Walkers come. Yeah, down. I mean it sounds like the White Walkers were a thing and that's when they came up with the dragon glass by the what was like the forest right or whatever those the oh the first men or whatever fist of the first men or yeah so i think there's a lot that was so i mean they existed before and if this was you know and dragon glass was the way they were killed uh, then i would think that there were i mean there's a prequel there that kind of explains that well they talk about you know the walls the wall has defended the realms of man for you know a thousand years like why even build the wall yeah Unless this is something that's yeah, exactly. been happening before. That would be cool. Go way, way back. Yeah. But, I mean, they could do they could do all sorts of cool stuff like that, which I'd like to see. I mean, yeah. I would watch it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, like, they could do, like, almost a, you know, a few episodes intermixed in there that are just, like, origin stories. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do, like, you know, Grey Worm's origin stories or the, um, the guy that's part of the Second Son's origin story. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, put more into um, the... I'm trying to remember his name. The guy from Bear Island, um, Jorah. Oh yeah, I Jorah mean, Mormon. Jorah's, you know, he's got something. He's got a you know pretty yeah. badass story that you could do his origin and that kind of stuff. You could intermix a lot of those types of things in there. I mean, I think we for the most part know like the Lannister story, a little bit of the Stark story, but I mean, there's some. Well, I mean, um, think think of all the heroes. You know, you have Sir Barristan. You know, who, you know, he was King's Guard, then he was Queen's Guard. I mean, they talk about all these guys, how they're the best warriors that they've ever seen, yada, yada. I mean, you could go on the backstory of the Cleganes. Um, there's just all the, you know, heroes of the stories have that before we knew them uh, that you could just fill that up with all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah. So. No, definitely. So, I mean, to kind of focus it down a little bit, what was your first, for both of you, what was your first, like, real main character that you really, like, Oh, Ned Lashed Stark. Onto. Ned Stark, for sure. I mean, he's honorable. He holds to his word. He's one of the kind of guys that kind of puts the uh, societal norms of, you know, trying to be polite. He just kind of puts those to the side, which he's still respectful. But if there's something that needs to be said, he, say, he says it. Well, and, and, I mean, I agree. But it was it's kind of along those lines. I mean, it's the sense of honor. Mm-hmm. It's not about, you know, he doesn't want to be... You know, for instance, when, uh, and I'm terrible with names, when the king, uh, Robert Baratheon, uh, Baratheon. yeah, when Robert Baratheon dies, Mm -hmm. and he is, uh, you know, Ned's hand of the king, and he doesn't want, I mean, they know that, yeah, okay, Joffrey's, uh, uh, you know, the child of incest from Mm -hmm. uh, Cersei and uh, Jaime, but the... Ned was going to step in, but he's like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. 
and you know he's not there because he's power hungry and he wants to rule he's like you know this was a duty that was thrust upon him and he was all about you know doing the right thing for people and not trying to build an empire and when he never yeah. wanted it he never wanted to be handed the king he right. did it strictly because his king commanded it yeah and i like that about him because you can tell he's in it because he's being told you know it's the right thing to do but he doesn't really want to be there to begin with. He wants right. to stay in the north where yeah. he belongs. So I mean, really absent Jamie pushing. Um, I forget which one this. Brand was it Brand Stark out Brand. the window? I mean, a lot of stuff that was happening in Westeros, minus you know all the stuff that's happening with um, Daenerys and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's gonna that would come no matter what. But I think a lot of that infighting where they're going to war against each other was all kind of tied back to him getting yeah. pushed out the window. Yeah. That if that wouldn't have happened, you know, Ned Stark probably would have been totally fine being the hand for a while and eventually gone back. You know, he probably, you know... I mean, yeah, Robert Baratheon got really drunk and was killed, and, you know, there's the conspiracy that it was... I forget who his um, squire was or whatever at oh, the time the, that, like, Lannister got him too drunk yeah, or whatever. The, and the... Uh, is it Lancel? Lancel, Lancel? Yeah. yeah, Lancel, Lancel Lannister. Lannister. And so, you know, there's always that conspiracy. But I don't think Ned would have been in the place that he was mentally to then not turn his back. But, I mean, he was I mean he was essentially told by Robert that, yeah, you need to take this over. But then, of course, you know, Cersei being as mm-hmm. conniving as she is and all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. she's always been the one moving those chess pieces to cause the chaos yeah. of where it's at. And everyone has kind of always caught up. So you're well, you know, Ned Stark from day one. One of the funny things that I think is you look at Ned's kids and the one that really I mean, impresses me, the well, of course, he's not really his kid, but the one that really <laughs> impresses me the most yeah. is that has followed in Ned's footsteps, at least as far as his sense of honor and duty and mm-hmm. stuff like that, is Jon Snow. Yeah. yeah. He really embodied the qualities of Ned Stark. Yeah. Uh, and even his actual son, uh, Robert. Uh, Robert. I mean, yeah. he just wasn't, you know, yeah, he didn't really, you know, kind of want it, but you could kind of see that, all right, he was getting into, yeah, I'm going to be king and rule I, the world. I never really liked Rob, to be honest. I thought he was kind of a pretty boy, and yeah, he was tough and all, but I thought he was kind of a prick. Um, I, I think he was tough just because he was put in the position. Like, you never really saw him fight too much hand on hand where he was yeah. the one taking over. I mean like right. Jon Snow, he's going out there and he's, you know, laying oh, down whole, it, yeah. every single time. Where I don't remember many battles offhand that Rob was really in there and, you know, he was more of a tactician. Yeah, he's he, a, he was a commander. Right. Which, and like I said, I to me, I mean I get it, he's doing his duties, he's, you know, getting some work, he's leading an army. He just didn't have the same draw to me as like John or Ned, somebody who was always on the battlefield. You know, they were soldiers to begin with, and you know, kind of through and through, they have that sense of duty and honor. So yeah, but. and so I'd, I'd say I'd probably would agree with you know Eugene in that. Where I'd say that you know Rob was really the first one, but I kind of really like the dynamic that you know before you know Greyjoy turned on him. You know, it was him and Rob and Greyjoy and mm-hmm. you know Theon. That that whole kind of dynamic that they had, you know, was it's kind of the you know, everyone's had those buddies growing up yeah. where they're all kind of, you know, going to conquer the world together, in, you know, in their own minds. And mm-hmm. so, but, you know, Rob, throughout the series, has been one that has really stayed true to, you know, he just wants to be essentially left alone, but he's willing to do whatever it takes to... You mean Ned? Stark? No. No. Family? Oh. No, John. Oh, okay. That's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. right now, he's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, okay. 
you know, he went to, you know, to be a, on the Night's Watch, but just to, you know, defend what's going on from there. And Well, and know. I th- think he also felt that he really, since he was a bastard, he really didn't have any claim to anything, and he... Yeah. He wanted to do something that was, you know, still honorable. But even so, then when they come up and get him, you know, that he's, you know, still reluctant to be king of the north. But he knows that it's a position he needs to take, yeah, in order to fulfill whatever goal. Which his goal is essentially just to to have the Lannisters leave him alone and have, you know, he doesn't want to be down in what is the Red Keep or whatever that kind of stuff. He doesn't want to be. He wants to be in the north. He wants to yeah. be at, um, you know, their castle and yeah. just left alone. Yeah. And he kind of keeps that through. Yeah, obviously, he's a huge part of it now and just kind of transitioned, but it's, I think, a lot of necessity, not necessarily similar to um, Ned Stark, where it was, you know, he didn't want the kingdom, but if someone's going to give it to him, he feels that he's the best one to kind of handle that. Well, he's one of those people that just kind of, he's a natural leader, and that's just how it goes. He's, you know, everything starts falling in line because of his actions, you know, not because of who he is. So, yeah. yeah. So I mean that's I mean that takes up most of the first season. I mean I think Ned's the really the first main character. Dying. I think that's the end of the first season, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's either that episode or the second to the last of season one. I can't remember, but yeah, he's the first main character to die. Um, I can't think of anybody else. So who's your biggest shocker? Like of all the main characters who they've killed off, which is like half of them. What was the biggest like? Oh. completely out of left field like blew your mind uh rob stark and his wife and cat the, the red wedding at the red wedding whole i remember thinking they just killed off you know three main characters out of let's just call it 12 and i was like how is part of this storyline even going to continue well it's, i know? mean it was almost an entire storyline i mean essentially that was the last of yeah you know that that they could have I mean, if they would have marched north they could have taken over the mm-hmm. castle and all that kind of stuff that but I think that was when, wasn't that when um, Theon flipped, though, wasn't it? Right after that? Or was it right before that, that he flipped and then took over? Um, I thought it was before that. Was it before that? I yeah. can't remember. Um, but yeah, that was probably one of the biggest shockers. I mean, I started to get suspicious, like, halfway through, you know, the whole ceremony. I'm like, something's not right. Something bad's going to happen. Well, and, and I didn't like, uh, who was it, the guy that... Walter Frey. Yeah, no, I didn't yeah. like Frey. Nobody likes Frey. And it, but right from the get go, I'm like, you know, this guy's creepy. Something ain't right here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's bad shit's gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I mean, he was that typical like, I'm the king. You gotta do what I say. I'm gonna live on the, you know, off the fat hog, and everybody else has to suffer. Yeah. yeah. And but I'm not gonna do anything to, you know, defend my area. So he's you know kind of that old, you know making backhanded deals and that kind of stuff yeah. just to keep yeah. himself in yeah. power or whatnot. And, you know, obviously, I mean, later on, I mean, his whole entire army gets taken out. Well, and that one ended up being the Boltons as well. Mm-hmm. You know, same sort of thing, making the, you know, backroom deals to cross, initially cross the Starks and then, mm-hmm. um, you know. So what about battle scenes? Favorite, let's say top two battle scenes. Top two battles? I mean, Battle of the Bastards oh, is a good one. You can't top Battle of the Bastards. That I mean, it's good. But then I also like the one where they're all up in uh, north of the wall, and they're on all the... on that one rock, and yep. it's just it, yeah, it's that zombie apocalypse that yeah. you know everybody fantasizes yep. about of just yep. 
you know, World War Z style. Yeah. Of just but I got to say, that's, I guess, you could kind of call it a main character, Diane. And that's where I... Oh. I, you know, was I got to say, I almost cried. <laughs> I didn't, but was I it, almost did. Was it Drogon? Which uh, one was it? There's three. There's Drogon, Rhaegar, I can't, and... Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, when the dragon got killed, I was like, no! Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, it was one of those moments where I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know how or when. And then when it did, it was like, okay, that was a little more shocking than I thought it was going to be. Well, the funny thing was, so my wife's not really been watching it at all, but she just recently started coming in the room. She can't handle the fight scenes, yeah. and so she'll leave when it gets really intense. But she doesn't really understand the story. Yeah. So when the scene happens where they start, they pull the dragon out of the ice and then uh, the Night King comes and brings it back, she's like, oh, well, it's alive again, so <laughs> it's okay. And I'm like, no, no you not. don't understand. Yeah. Okay, it's dead. And it's, you know, yeah, the Night King brought it back to life, but, you know, it serves him, it's evil. You don't and... have to lie, dude. I know you're probably crying like a baby and she's doing the, oh, see, it's, it's alive again. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's not. <laughs> So I'd he say, was just uh, taking a nap. It's okay. That's right. Uh, the Battle of the Blackwater was pretty awesome. Yeah. When they when they touch off the uh, wildfire. The wildfire. Yeah. Holy shit! Um, that and the Battle of the Bastards were probably my two favorite. But there's been so many. I mean, when the wildlings try to you know assault the wall, that yeah. was an epic fight too, where they have the giants and they have the mammoths and. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, I was really disappointed that you didn't see more giants. You know, they had the one, but initially... But it cuts to black when they, you know, kill them and all that kind of stuff. And initially, when all the wildlings were assaulting the wall, there were more than one, and they had the mammoths and stuff. But then, from then on, it was like, okay, we've got one. And so... I'd like to see some more of the mythical creatures. And, I mean, in Season 7, when they have that polar bear... Yeah. That was one of the most intense scenes where they're kind of like, what the fuck was that? And then all of a sudden, you know, holy crap zombie bear that is yeah. just munching on people. But I think it's a fine line, though, because like a scene that I totally hate and it should have never happened was when um, Malisandre, the red woman or whatever, yeah. bursts yeah. that whatever yes. character. Yeah, I like, and that you know, served zero. I, I mean, almost... I understand what it wanted to do, but like when I saw that, I'm like, okay, really? Like, I can, yeah. I can get behind the dragons. I can get behind the White Walkers, you know, because, you know, right now all the zombie movies are popular and I can kind of get what's going on. But when that happened, I'm like, all right, that's too much. Yeah. Yeah, And I almost, I mean, at that point, I stayed with it, but I was like, okay, exactly. I can get in with the whole medieval times and some, you know, uh, dragons and stuff like that. that. But when it starts getting into the magic, and I'm like, all right, this is is dumb. To me, that was just kind of one of those plot filling moments where it's like, what are we gonna do? Well, we're gonna birth this shadow who's gonna stab this dude. It was like, okay, that's not. Yeah. You well, know. It's, it's such an anticlimactic way to kill. Yeah. Whichever one of the kings that was. I mean, that was that one of the Baratheons. That was. Wasn't it? Yeah, that, that was, was Renly. The, Renly. Renly. Yeah. yeah. Renly. Like. I mean, I get that it opens up the characters. You know, that's when you get Lady Brienne, and then you have, um, you know, one of my favorites of um, Lady Marjorie. Mm-hmm. You know, moving on to do other things, or whatnot. But just how it happened. I mean. Kill him off in a battle or 
They could have done a lot of things. Have you know somebody sneak into the camp and double cross them or something like that? But well, to, to then, birth this thing that you have, yeah, and it just you know comes just, up, kills them, then fades and, away, and it's never referenced ever again. Yeah, that's and they didn't talk anything about it, what it was, how it happened, yada 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 yada. Um, I would have much rather seen just like an assassin, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other but, thing that they didn't really explain, and with uh, Malisandria or however you pronounce her name. Is there's that scene where she goes and she takes off like the necklace and she yeah. turns into the really old woman? Yeah. And well, we don't have much backstory on her at all. Yeah. I mean, as yeah. far as and at first I thought she was the only one, but then they start showing yeah. down in uh, Marine. There's yeah. other uh, fire priestesses. Yeah. There's, well, there's like a guy and there's like a girl I think down there. But yeah. I think I mean I think the necklace is like you know she gets her power from the was it the god of light or something like that or yeah. fire and then so. You know, and that's what keeps her. I mean, that's essentially her power. I mean, it's no different than the guy that um, that well, not the mountain, but uh, the hound is killed like six times or whatever. You know, oh it, yeah, they're they're from this cut from the same cloth as far as where that power comes from mm-hmm. or not. And even that, like, I get behind that magic yeah. a little bit more. But man, birthing this shadow thing, I just can't. I couldn't get over that part. But back to the, you know, I think that choker or whatever she's wearing is where. It gets it. She actually, actually got like a lot of like praise from you know the lack of better term feminist community of mm-hmm. oh look at this you know female willing to bear her quote unquote ugly oh. or worn out self. I'm like you know that's all CGI. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, yeah. all I mean, of that. Is. And, and most of them like surprisingly, not many of the main characters that were actually like it's they all use body doubles except for um, Natalie Dormer who plays Lady Marjorie and then Amelia Clark. Yeah. You know, her last full nude scene when they burned down the Dothraki village or whatever, you know, she was actually proud, like, no, this is me, this is how I look, yeah. and I'm owning it so that you can't take it from me. Yeah. But, like, when Cersei does her shame walk, that's not that her. That's sense. a body double. They yeah. just CGI her face on. Yeah. And Which is funny, because uh, I think her name's Lena Henley, but yeah. she was also in 300, and I know that they had some. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I wonder mm-hmm. if... Uh, I'm guessing it's just the duration. I mean, that's yeah. quite a well, long walk. And of, it's like a full frontal, full nude, right. you know, yeah. long not, lasting. It's not just a quick flash. It's, yeah. you know. Yeah. One, it's not, again, lack of a term, you know, sexualized. It's not in the best angle. It's, yeah. you know, here you are in all your, you know, glory as if you just got out of bed and people are smearing shit on her yeah. and spitting on her and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I can understand not wanting to miss, they'd be subject to that. And, you know, they're, I've noticed that, you know, the beginning, I think they were talking about, you know, there's like nudity like every mm-hmm. one or two episodes. And now it seems to be that they've really backed off. Oh, yeah, of, they backed yeah, off quite the, a bit. The sex and nudity, it seems like they've really tapered that off and gone more towards, you know, the storytelling and combat, which I'm fine with. You know, mm-hmm. the nudity doesn't add that much to the story for me. Um, there's certain scenes where it's like, you know, they're in a brothel. It's like, okay, that sets the scene. It yeah. makes sense. And it, when uh, Daenerys, you know, I think it helps sell... The, you know, she, either when Carl Drogo died or when she's in the Dothraki temple or whatever mm-hmm. it is, yeah. you know, it's kind of hard to sell that she's walking out of the fire and her clothes are still yeah. intact. Yeah, that'd be awkward. No, but it makes sense. And, you know, it's, there are some scenes like that were like the new, like when they show, um, Hordor, and you know, yeah. so he's just like a big old swinger, and you're like, yeah. what elephant trunk? You know, what purpose? I mean, it's not even the fact that it was a guy. I mean, if we even if it was like a girl, that was like that. But when they do, like when Grey Worm checks out, um, 
the interpreter. It mm-hmm. at yep. least makes sense in the story to show that, but it's not just like it's not just there for no reason. Yeah, and and so I get you know the artistic side of that, but they definitely had you know backed off, and then you know they killed off you know Natalie Dormer's character, which <laughs> is something I still then. don't think was necessary. I think they could have kept that part of the story going because when she she realized something was up and all they had to do was get her to escape and then have the whole uh, thing go. So when Tommen went, you know, Tommen commits suicide, they were, I think they were closing that whole thing because if you keep her alive, then then Tommen's going to want to, he's not going to want to kill himself. She's going to try to talk him out of it. I mean, she goes, then Tommen goes, they close the whole, that whole portion. But you could also have Tommen believe that she died because she knew she was there and he could still kill himself. Although then it would put, uh, lady Marjorie in position of being, or queen Marjorie at that point in position (laughs) of being queen. And now Cersei's battling for control. Well, to me, it's just crazy. Like how much they focused on her suffering, going through all that stuff with, I forget what the name of that, you know, occult, People no, were or whatever. Sons of the Harpy. I think yeah, the no, of the, no, no. Sons of the Harpy's down in the They're the ones with the gold masks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's the something sept of the seven or yeah. something. And so, I mean, they show like, I mean, it's almost a whole season of her being a prisoner and suffering mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And then she gets essentially let loose. And you can tell that, you know, she kind of told them what they wanted to hear and she was yeah. just trying to get out. Yeah. But they well, kill and her, there's like, that scene where she gives later. her grandmother the, like, piece of paper or whatever that has the golden rose on it to kind of let her grandmother know that, okay, yeah, I'm not really brainwashed by these yeah. people, but so who was the first character that you really hated then? What was like the first one that like Joffrey? Yeah. Just, <laughs> I mean, I really didn't like Jamie Lannister at first. Uh, he's a prick. He's arrogant. You know, he's boning his sister. He kicks a small child out of a window. So, I mean, what's there to not dislike? Um, Joffrey was my true first, you know. I agree with the Jamie. Um, however, I think once he became the prisoner of the Starks, the Jamie Lannister that grew from that, mm-hmm. I actually really like. I yeah, think as he, soon as he lost his hand, is like for me the, the switch of like I like him now. I think he was somewhat humbled, or you know, went through his depression phase, whatever. But even before that, he was still the cocky Jamie Lannister. Yeah, and yeah. then he loses his hand. And then Lady Brienne have their kind of, you know, not relationship because they never did anything, but it was still like they kind of had that kinship, you know, that kind of built through that. And, you know, I think that was a a good storyline of their struggles and their travels and all that kind of stuff. And um, really, I think, shaped his perspective of, you know, he was a prisoner for so long and did all that kind of stuff. And then he goes back and all for naught, essentially, because Cersei is just like, oh, it's all your fault. And... All of our, you know, all of our kids are dead. It's all your fault, and I'm gonna lie to all these people. And he's just like, it's not worth it. I've seen the suffering that's out there, and you're not yeah. doing anything about it. We're getting devastated by these yep. dragons or whatever. But well, yeah, the and everybody is uniting against them, and all of their allies mm-hmm. basically are falling away. So I mean, now they're down to just. I mean, seriously, was like, well, we don't need anybody else because we have the Iron Bank. But even then, I. But I mean, yeah, who, who are they going to introduce though to pay? I mean, they've the second sons and the ones who Greyjoys are with uh, are 
all Daenerys is. I mean, who who else are they gonna go by? I mean, I'm, I thought they just talked about something about the Golden Army. Um, I can't remember where they're from or what they do, but I can't remember, like I said, who exactly they are. But I remember hearing something about the Golden Army, um, which well, would I be think interesting. I think that's part of the that's the army that the Iron Bank has. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure, but. Um, it's it's interesting how some of my least favorite characters, because in the beginning, you know I didn't like Jamie and I didn't like Tyrion, um, but the first time Tyrion slapped Joffrey, he instantly went to you know almost one of my top you know, two top yeah, three. Yeah, it was funny because I also thought Tyrion I wasn't a huge fan of him, but he really developed into a oh, character that he's the most one of the most important characters in the entire show. Yeah. I mean, his acting, first of all, is incredible. I mean, his whole storyline has been incredible um, from beginning all the way until now. And it, it didn't take me very long to warm up to him. Um, I didn't like him at first, but then pretty quickly I was like, well, okay. I think part of that was the character he was playing at first, where he was just this rich, entitled person getting drunk and oh, going yeah. to whorehouses. And, you know, and that's all his life mm-hmm. was about. But and, I mean, I never disliked him, though. I mean, I would say he's one of my favorites, but I never disliked him because he wasn't vindictive like the rest right, of his family. Right. I mean, he never like went out of his way to do mean things to people yeah. or to, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, there were some times where he, again, he was entitled and, oh, I'm going to pay my way out of this and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But, yeah, I would agree that he's one of the most, you know, pivotal characters in the whole thing. And I really like his uh, hired hand. Oh, Bronn? Yeah, Bronn. Yeah. Bronn's yeah. also... So there's yeah. several characters... I mean, I think my top three at this point are probably uh, Jon Snow, Tyrion, Bronn, and the Hound. I mean, those are probably, well, those are like my top four. Um, I, you know, I still haven't gotten completely on board with the Hound. I mean, I just, I mean, yeah, he starts off and he's a real asshole. uh, And then they have the scene where he... After his sword fight with uh, Lady Brienne, and he gets basically rescued mm-hmm. by that uh, little priest guy. Priest guy. And so I think, okay, well, he's just going to like turn to a life of peace. And yeah, I see why he goes and wants to... But now it's... I just... I don't know. He's still kind of got that attitude where I think, yeah, okay, he's not really a good guy. But I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm that... curious to see how they're gonna fold him back into it. I mean, yeah, he's back and he you know drug the box or whatever, but he's still like kind of. I'm not sure which way he's gonna go and like how they're gonna utilize. But I think he's gonna have a pivotal role. Like I don't think he's gonna yeah. be one like you know they cut to scene one and suddenly you know somebody runs a sword through when he's gone. No, I think they need to uh, have him take out his brother. I see that. I mountain. see that climax. As a, I don't think I don't think it's going to be him that does it. Uh, well, I think it's going to be where they do end up getting into a battle, mm-hmm. and then I can see like Arya coming to avenge the Hound. In some oh way, yeah, that, that, kind that of works. Stuff yeah. where, you know, he should have won or something, and then something happens where yeah, you know, kind of like how he killed the Viper, um, the same way of you know, somebody interferes or somebody does something to make it so that the Hound gets killed. But then I can see yeah. Arya. In her little assassin badass ways, coming in and I doing really work, like her. I do you know, too. taking her out or whatever. I uh, I think the hound is kind of that chaotic neutral that I really appreciate because I mean, yeah, he's done b- 
bad things. But at his core, he has he has a code. You know, when Sansa, you know, got drugged into that alley and the guys were gonna rape her and they were gonna do all this stuff, and he slaughters them, doesn't put a hand on her, gets her to safety. Same thing with Arya. Never mistreated her for the most part. I mean, never tried to do anything with her. He protects her. You know, he kind of has that. Well, is it really protecting when you kidnap her and are going to ransom her back to her family? I think so, because, I mean, he's still I mean, trying all, to keep her safe. It, all, that's like saying you're protecting the money in your wallet. Hey, but you know what? He's still doing it. And there's during their journey together, you can see that he's trying to teach her some stuff. You know, when the old man gets stabbed with the spear and he's like, hey, this is where the heart is. Remember that. Um, and he's, you know, it seems like he's trying to teach her a little bit. She ends up getting the horse and all that. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think he has that pure evil streak in him where he's going to kill he's not his brother. kids yeah. and yeah. duelist type things. But he he's willing to kill the people that need killed. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid to get in fights and that yeah. kind of stuff. But, you know, he also sees the opportunity of, well... Arya in and herself is a liability, mm-hmm. but I, if I can capitalize on this liability and get my secure myself something, then that's what I'm going to do. But you know, I think that he truly had feelings for her, but in like a parental way or whatever. You know, yeah. kind of looked o- over her Big Brother or whatever that was. That you know, I think that when him and you know Lady Bran get in their fight, I think he really was his plan was to win to keep Arya safe and to bring her. Like, Which I don't is think it would have funny because they were. Fighting each other, but both for the same reason. Yeah. You well, know. if you watch that fight, I mean, uh, Lady Bran is kind of, at first, holding back. She's kind of like, eh, you know, I don't want to fight you, sir, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And the Hound is not. He is in it to win it. Um, and then gets, you know, his ass beat. See, I didn't have that perspective. I thought he, or I thought Lady Brienne was just losing. I didn't think she was, uh, you know, holding back. I just thought he was... Whooping her ass. Yeah, in and the beginning, she says, you know, I don't want to fight you. I this, And they kind of dance around at first, and it looks... Yeah, but like once the fight actually starts, mm-hmm. I just... Uh, my perspective was, she's just getting her ass kicked, and, you know, then she capitalizes on a mistake that he makes mm-hmm. in the fight, and that's how she comes to win. Yeah. So that was, what, season four... Yeah, it's hard to keep track because I mean it's it's such a well written series mm-hmm. that it's hard to really keep, like remember what happened when like when you know so people who haven't seen it oh where are you at it's hard to like ask them the right questions so that you don't let anything go but then right. still trying to dial in where exactly they are. That's where those open ended questions come in. Hey, what's the last thing that happened in this series? And they yeah. they'll tell you. And for me, it's hard because sometimes I lose track of the events you know oh what happened before this event and what happened after this event well no it was really hard for me because i'm binge watching it all mm-hmm. so all the seasons really blur together oh, yeah. so i it's not like i'm gonna i can really say you know for instance you know ned stark dying in the first season i'm like okay well i know it's in the beginning yeah. of the series yeah. yeah i i can't really tell you where i mean it could have been in season two for all i, mm-hmm. I because i'm just sitting there watching one after the other yeah and, yeah but, no so who's the ultimate bad guy out of the whole series up to this point oh the big bad just like hmm. the one that when that you cheered the loudest for and had the most disdain for like in your mind who was the worst Evil-wise character, not like worst played or worst acted, but like the worst Ooh, yeah. character. I mean, overall, the Night King, I think, is the big, big bad. You know, the 
the the leader of the White Walkers, but they we haven't seen much of them. Um, but as far as like humans, the big bag, I don't, I don't know. I you know, I really hated Joffrey, and part of it is he. I look at him as a kid, and I see that kind of like the serial killer in the making. Mm-hmm. But I gotta say, if you know, I had to pick out somebody who I think that in the series is the most malicious to their you know core it would have to be ramsey yeah i don't know dude cersei now that i've thought about it for a second i think the big big bad through all the seasons from mm-hmm. one until now has been cersei like ramsey yeah, but was bad cersei but... is doing what she does because she wants power yeah she's not doing it because she enjoys seeing people suffer i think which that... is what ramsey's all about i mean ramsey was that very localized you know, he had a very small influence total. Cersei has a huge influence, and if she's doing what she's doing for power, which happens to be murder, you know, robbery, yeah. rape, yada yada yada, that but, makes her the big. But she's bad not doing it herself, though. I mean, she's she's the, your epitome of the, you know, dictatorship of mm-hmm. like sending her troops out to, and she's willing to sacrifice all of them yeah. to for one small thing. Where I would agree that Ramsay and just his, I mean, he's tortured people mm-hmm. and you know filleting them all i mean i guess that some of those his upbringing and that was their yeah but i think he actually enjoyed it like i don't think oh, that yeah. his dad wanted to keep filleting people he was kind of fine not doing that but the impression i got was that his you know ramsey was uh, basically doing what he did with theon and his dad did not approve of him turning theon into you know his slave basically by yeah. torturing him yeah i mean that, that is true. I mean, Ramsey, he's bad, obviously. Flays people, he's torturous, yada, yada. Um, well, just his mind games. And that was what was really the worst. Oh, you know, he yeah. you know, tricks Theon into escaping. And, just, and he kills his own men mm-hmm. just to yeah. build that craziness. Yeah. And then brings them back. And then you know, lets him think that he's going to get away with something. You know, brings these girls in and mm-hmm. then you know, castrates them. Yeah. And just... Who, that actor played that role so well. Oh, he did. I'm, and, you know, his mannerisms, you know, when he's eating that sausage after castrating oh him, yeah. just like his facial expression. <laughs> Waves it at him. And all those different things. I mean, that was played so well that I think that kind of builds into it. They think yeah. put, you know, a, a not as talented an actor or doesn't play that role as well. Yeah, okay, he's just another person mm-hmm. who's killing a bunch of people for no reason. He's another mountain or whatever that, um, you know, they've, they're on their third actor for the mountain now. And so yeah. it's, you know, it's something that's interchangeable. Yeah, Ramsey was, he was one that I could not wait until he got taken out. And then the way that he got taken out was very, again, I'm trying to think the right, the words, but it was gratifying. Just, it was very gratifying. <laughs> because, you know, it was just like, yeah. it had that, you know, satisfaction of, you know, the one thing that would have been better is if they hung him up or, you know, strapped and into the, Theon. and they let Theon go to town yeah. on him yeah. for a while, whatever, kind of get that revenge back yeah. on him, whatever. But, you know, the fact that at least Sansa got it after being, you know, anally raped by him multiple different times and, you know, forcing Theon to watch and all this. I mean, that was like his level of cruelty. You know, it rivaled, you know, Joffrey. Joffrey was, you know, killed that prostitute just because he wanted to. He yeah. just felt right. like it. And, and it wasn't like, oh, one shot through the heart. It was, you know, shot her in the arm, yep. shot her in the stomach, you know, made her suffer. Mm-hmm. And it's that same thing. It, well, and that was also the scene when 
Tyrion sends him, I think it was Tyrion sends him the prostitutes. Oh, God. And yeah. basically he's sitting there and he just wants them to, you know, one to beat the other one for his enjoyment. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where I'm like, he's the serial killer in the making. Yeah. But man. The thing with Joffrey is he's, he was a, kind of a puss. You know, where Ramsey oh, is not. Ramsey will get into it. He's, he's mm-hmm. pretty skilled in combat. You know, he has a good mind for it. Whereas Joffrey was just that kind of, you know, bully, but with a sociopathic, you know, murdery side. Yeah. I mean, Whereas he, Ramsey is a true, you yeah. know, Joffrey psychopath. would hurt people who he knew couldn't hurt him. Yes. Back. He always had somebody to run behind. You know, even when yeah. they had the Battle of the Blackwater and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. he ran oh, to oh, go I need check to go on back. something. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, he knew that he wouldn't really survive, you know, one-on-one yeah. or whatever. Oh, my mom needs me? Okay. Yeah. But, the, you know, I also didn't like the um, the clergy guy or whatever that, you know, ended up taking Cersei in. Oh, um, yeah. You know, just how manipulative he was. Like, you know, I don't know what his end game really was. Yeah, but really he was, was really, if you look at it, he really was like a cult leader. I mean, oh, yeah. And that's where he derived all of his power was from basically brainwashing people. I mean, you whether it's, you know, cult that exists nowadays where you have you know uh these uh i don't know it's just i have a hard time with the because he's following his own perverse view of his religion yeah it's not the truly malicious evil that existed in both ramsey and joffrey i wasn't no i mean i don't think he was violent evil but i think he did have malicious Intense. I, mean, I think you know him taking Cersei and um, Lady Marjorie, mm-hmm. and then flipping Tommen, and you know had his um, people who they carved the little pentagrams in yeah. or whatever kind of stuff. I mean, he did all those kind of things because that was his was play power. for power. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know what his end game was. Like, I don't know if he was trying to also be in the Game of Thrones, but coming at it from like a religious perspective, like where he wanted yeah. to control. The king, so then he can really control, you know, the realm. Because what is it, the, the the three pillars, or the two pillars, or whatever? No, the, the two yeah, pillars. The, the, it's just the pillars. But. but, you know, it was weird because Cersei was the one that actually found him and got him to rise to power. She gave him the speech yeah. of the, the faith in the crown, you know, without yeah. one, the other can't exist, and gets him essentially the army. I, I wasn't a real big fan of that whole sub, uh, the sub plot i guess i don't know why i just they yeah. seemed kind of shallow and it was kind of yeah i don't know. think it was necessary i think they didn't they could have gone without that whole character and that yeah. whole story arc and it, i think they still would have got to where they wanted they could have yeah. done more backstabbing between cersei and lady marjorie and that kind of stuff or you know lady marjorie's um grandma you know, the one uh, who's in charge i of liked her That's yeah. too, i mean she was witty and sharp-tongued um, Only through the end, though. I mean, you know, giving Jamie that last yeah. little dig at yeah. the end of it was All me that killed your son, and yep. then he's just—you can tell that he like wanted to lop her head off. Yeah, and he, like, she already drank the poison. He's like, "Well, shit," you know. And so all the way through the end, she was she was sharp and she was on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed her interactions with pretty much everybody. Um, no, she so was, she was good. I got a, uh, you know, in the beginning. I really could not get behind uh, Daenerys. I was not really a supporter. Now, she's grown on me, 
and I've, you know, I'm starting to get behind. I mean, because you get to see when she, you know, moves into, you know, Slaver's Bay and starts liberating everybody. And you start to see that, okay, she's doing what she's doing because she's, you know, trying to, you know, make the world a better place. But in the beginning, I'm like, you know, I just don't, because everybody talks about her. And I'm like, I just don't see it. I don't see what the attraction is in, I mean, yeah, I mean, aside from she isn't bad to look at, but I don't really see the attraction of the character. Well, the the turning point for me was when she finally gains, I mean, everything before the Unsullied to me was like, okay, yeah, cool. She's the mother of dragons. Okay, she's a uh, uh, Khaleesi. Okay, great. But it didn't really prove any, for me, it was just kind of like, okay, great. But when she got the whip for the Unsullied, yeah. and she turned them against the masses, yes. that was the big turning point where I said, okay, now she's awesome. The, she's become a badass. Yeah. That was the first time when I actually started to enjoy her character. Yeah. Yeah. And in her story arc, you know, it's, it's an interesting one where, like, you know, she kind of rises to power. You know, she's the Carl Drogo's, you know wife and then suddenly he dies and they leave her and now she's wandering mm-hmm. through the desert and then she ends up in what is it marines the first one i think she ends up in or no no, uh, no. It, was, um, it was that one that had the like the um the warlocks and all that yeah the warlocks yeah. Yeah, and they I had the, the, the guy with the safe that you know was no empty. key could open yeah, yeah. And, or nobody could break through or something yeah, it was like empty that. he was just yeah. it was all fake it was all fake yeah, yeah. But, you know, but she always has, like, those ebbs and flows. Like, she rises to power and then loses it all and then rises to power and mm-hmm. loses it all. I mean, you know, she ends up, you know, the Sons of the Harpy, you know, end up going back and take retaking over Slaver's Bay and all this kind of stuff that, you know, she has all these struggles that she mm-hmm. still keeps. And then you can always see every now and then where she kind of creeps up, like, okay, I've been nice to you. Now go fuck yeah. yourself. Yeah. And, you know, she hangs all the masters, you know, essentially crucifies them all down the road and then that pisses them, you know, off mm-hmm. and those different types of things, whatever. And, Although I kind of like that, I thought it was you know. No, I I it, thought all of her punishments were for the time and the time period and that kind yeah. of stuff are fitting. She didn't do anything that was that egregious, and she yeah. was doing it for her people, the slaves, the people. And right. I don't think any of those people were sad. It was just the the in betweeners, the middle class yes. of the world that you were. And she's not doing torture torture stuff other than the you know the crucifixions, okay. But she's not deliberately like okay, I'm gonna torture these people. You know, because this is what, you know, they've done. Uh, one thing I would like to see is when her dragon melts somebody, I want to see them melt. You know, they talk about how dragon's fire melts mm. stone and this and that, but whenever the dragons hit somebody with fire, they just kind of crumple up and fall over and die. Yeah, um, they, they kind of more just catch on fire. And I want it to look like, you know, the scene in Starship Troopers where the giant beetle shoots the person and they just straight melt. <laughs> That's what I want to see. I'll tell you what, though, when they kill off her brother, when Cal Drogo <laughs> gives him the golden yeah. crown... <laughs> That was that a good scene. Is a good melt scene. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're yeah. pouring molten gold down your throat. Yeah. Ugh. Or over his head. The, yeah. yeah. It was over his head. I'm trying to think of some of the better deaths. That was one of them. Uh, Jeff, Joffrey's death was awesome. Yeah. Um, Even though I liked the character, but when the mountain killed um, the viper in that yeah. last, when he oh crushes God, his dude. head. Yeah. That was Ooh. actually one of those ones that act, I, it took me back a little bit because. It it was so violent that you know he digs his thumbs in his eye sockets and I'm like okay that's almost a little bit too much for me 
And then he just straight up squishes his head. I was like, okay, now it's too much. Which yeah. violence doesn't really do anything for me. But I saw that and I was like, okay, that was really... <laughs> that was, well, it's, that was, and I think it was also because it was a character that everybody was cheering for. They, yeah. they beat the hound and he's confessing to doing all the bad things and then suddenly it turns. You know, that first hit when it knocks his teeth across the ground. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's just one of those things where a character you enjoy gets brutalized essentially in... And I really, I really liked Oberyn. Um, you know, there's a, there was only a few things about his character that I was kind of like, eh, whatever. But overall, I really liked him a lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, it was, I was sad to see him go, but I knew when they were fighting, I was like, something's gonna happen. You know, there's no way Tyrion's just gonna get through this scot free again because they had already run that uh, when they had Bronn fight for him at, uh, at the Moongate. So I think you know. It's, it's, the mountain probably has some of the better, you know, kills, if you want to say. You know, he eviscerates one of the guys. Um, you know, he pulls one guy's head off, essentially. He slams that one guy's face into, you know, the concrete. And all. I mean, it just yeah. all shows his, like, brute power. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen if he's actually, like, besides, you know, yeah, he cuts open that guy's thumb, but does he chop anybody down? Like, I don't see him, like... You're talking about the mountain? Yeah, the mountain. So, remember, right before... Uh, the viper in the mountain fight. Cersei goes to him and he's training, but he's training oh, on yeah. essentially a bunch of slaves. Yeah. Well, it straight up shows him slice somebody in half with his oh, you know, right. five foot sword or whatever, and he's just hacking people down. Which, yeah. granted, they were slaves and they don't appear very well armed or trained, but he is just hacking through them like there's nothing. Yeah. Uh, but it hasn't really showed him in a lot of big combat scenes where he's just wading through. Well, you know, it's funny we were talking before and you had mentioned earlier in this cast about the uh, how there's been different actors portraying him and that's something that irritates me in series to no end but I didn't I never noticed it with the mountain until you had mentioned it mm-hmm. where I really noticed it was and maybe it's just because it you know there was gaps with the mountain where you know okay he's in these episodes and then there's a big gap where you don't see him at all and then, okay, he's back, and it's somebody else. The one that irritated me was when the guy that's the leader of the uh, Second Sons uh, mm-hmm. or Second yeah, Sons or whatever, about. at the end of, I want to say season two, but I'm not entirely sure. But at the end, that. he's one character, and then he instant. I mean, the very next episode, which is the start of the next season... But from my perspective, like I said, I'm mm-hmm. binge watching it. Yeah. So the very next episode, it's a different character, uh, or, or I'm sorry, a different actor yeah. playing that character. Yeah. Which I actually never really noticed with the mountain. I mean, the last time I remember seeing him with his helmet off, <clears throat> I always thought it was the same person. But I no, mean, so he was like a skinny, tall guy. I mean, skinnier than how he is now. I mean, he's the like the oh. world's strongest man. Like when he does that jousting, he takes it off. He's a completely. He's like a the big bodybuilder. Yeah, strongman. Okay, well, now he's a big bodybuilder, strongman. You know, he's from the actors from Iceland. Yeah, but the other ones were like more like Scandinavian and kind of taller. Now that, that I think about it, that... now I I know exactly because I remember watching the first season. They referred to the mountain. I'm like, that's not the mountain. But now that you say it, I'm like, okay, yeah. that makes yeah. But that, I think that you does... know because he disappears for a while and comes back. You know, story wise, he could have gotten bigger or whatever. And you know, well, now they even, have him. Even if a... they, it wasn't part of the story. There's been a gap, and so 
when they introduce a new actor and for whatever reason, I mean, it happens in tons of shows. I mean, it was something that irritated me when they replaced uh, Katie Holmes with Maggie Gyllenhaal in uh, the Dark Knight series mm-hmm. where it's the same character, but then, oh, well, hey, we're totally going yeah. to put somebody else in there. Well, it's the was the same sort of thing here where I'm like, I just can't stand it. And I realize, you know, whatever you have, you know, disagreements on... But at least with the mountain, there was big gaps that occurred. And so by the time he reappears, I mean, I knew the character, but I didn't really have it like, okay, you know, this is a different actor. But when it's like, I mean, and I realize it took place over two seasons, but the end of one season, then the very next episode and start of the season... Yeah. You have a character or the actor change. I'm like... Yeah, for you, I, it's a back-to-back episode. Right. For everybody else at the time, it was yeah. a year later yeah. or however it was. That's why I like discovering series after they've already been, you know, maybe not completed, but they're maybe two or three, yeah. you know, seasons in. I That's how I found Breaking Bad. And I cannot imagine having to wait, you know. What yeah. we're dealing with that with Walking Dead, which, you know, everybody has mixed feelings on that now. Uh, but I've been watching it since it came out. And I hate the gap of waiting, you know. I'd yeah. rather just watch a season, just binge watch it for But for me, there's long. a fine line, though, because if there's too many seasons before you catch on it, it's almost like too much of a commitment. Like, yeah. Hey, I'm going to go back and watch Star Trek, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> any of them, where there's like 15 seasons yeah. and there are 20-something episodes. All you're going to watch it's for the next too much of a commitment. Like, I, But then there's some that's like, oh, I really like this, but it's only four seasons long, and then yeah. they don't make me one. I'm like... I want to watch it, but it's going to, yep. you know, they're going to leave you hanging or whatever. And so there's some of those that, I mean, I've watched some from start to finish, you know, the shield, which mm-hmm. was kind of that way I got into late, um, rescue me. So I never had to wait for him to come around, yeah. but some of them were like a grind to get through them. I mean, um, star Trek was that way you know, watching. I think the only one I've watched every episode start to finish was Voyager, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of making my way through TNG, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's, 25 almost 30 episodes a season yeah. Yeah. 8 to 10 seasons That's, and it's well, you just, start seeing the same stuff over and over and over and you know well and we talked about it uh, last time about how they have the repetitive stories from the different branches of Star yeah. Trek and you know and even some that occur within the same you know like next gen there's okay we're going to have this story, but then we're going to have just this exact same story, but with different characters. I've been having a hard time with actually finding a show that grabs my attention and holds it. You know, Game of Thrones is one of them that has always, I've enjoyed it because there's so many different aspects that I enjoy. Um, But it's hard for me to find a show at this point that is either way too far over the top, you know, it's got either some agenda or some type of, you know, something that they're pushing or it's just too far-fetched and then there's some there's the opposite end of the scale where it's all historical facts and and it just gets really dry after a little bit just a lot of information but no storyline yeah i mean i really like game of thrones i really like like the whole premise the whole you know time period even though it's you know in a fictional realm or whatever but i've tried to get into other ones like you know vikings is very similar i really like vikings for me that was one that you know, yeah, there's some historical accuracy to it, so they got to stay within that parameters. But I think, I don't know if it's because I was watching Game of Thrones at the same time that I was watching Vikings and it just wasn't living up the same. But there's also 
um, The Last Kingdom, which is on Netflix, yep. which is kind of the other side of the Vikings. It's kind of more the Saxon side of it. And it was kind of the same thing where, to me, it just wasn't, you know, quite as good or I just I can't get into it. And then, um, you know, Cal Drogo's, you know, Jason Momo's is, you know, real life name. And he started uh, Frontier. I, first season, loved it. Second season, like, eh, started like getting burned out on that kind of stuff. I'm having that same issue with like one that really captures, you know, my attention and keeps it going. Um, I know I turned Eugene on to Homeland and I watched like yep. four seasons, maybe three and a half. And then I'm just like, nah, I'm done. And so like, I don't even know like how that one ends. Cause it, it, it gets me, keeps me going for a while. And then I eventually I just get burned well, out. I think I it something else. just ended, but I don't pay the extra for, the showtime so i just wait for it to drop onto hulu and so there's a couple of seasons that haven't dropped onto the hulu live stream yet there's a fine mix for me like i said i i like some real realism i mean i i like you know pre-1800s and and beyond for historical stuff i like it to be somewhat realistic but it also has to have that extra edge that catches my attention Um, and then sci-fi you know as long as it's not completely outlandish um, I'll watch it, but I see. Haven't... For me, it needs to be completely outlandish, like Star Trek, Star Wars, Aliens, the whole bit. Like you're bought in a hundred percent, or not. Yeah. When you do like that in between, where it's like only like one person has this power or this thing, it's just like it's too hokey at that yeah. point. Yeah. But if it's you know Star Trek, Star Wars, that realm, or you know just in the future. Have you that, seen that the Expanse? It's a sci-fi series but it's that supposed to take place in that period i mean they're going out and they're colonizing uh mars and you know different uh have bases on different asteroids and stuff like that but it's not so futuristic that like star trek where you have you know gravity plating and you know holodecks and replicators it's very it's more for lack of a better word more realistic as far as you know almost along the lines of rocket ships and yeah it's something that's logically plausible yes yeah where to go that's i i like the way you put it where you said you know it has to be way outlandish or not and to a to a degree that's that is kind of actually what i like is you know, because I like Star Wars, I like Star Trek, I like those where somebody dreamed big, and this is, you know, in their world, this is logical. Uh, but I, like I said, I, I don't like when all of a sudden you have medieval fighting with, you know, spirit warriors and all sorts of other yeah. weird stuff. Yeah, I can't, I can't get into those. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, with the, the main storyline, you have... Essentially, it's all who wants to take over Westeros, who wants to be the person in charge of the Seven Kingdoms and all that kind of stuff. And everyone, you know, who's stayed with us this long, you know, is, I'm guessing has watched at least through that. They kind of know that, you know, Cersei's still, you know, queen and you know, all that kind of stuff. But what about the, I mean, it's such a well-written show and they have a lot of good kind of side quests, you know, for those people who play video games, that kind of stuff. What's your side storyline that you really enjoyed well i i really want to you know dive more into and of course they just the last episode of season seven they just revealed who he actually was but i kind of want to you know dive more into Jon snow because they you know they were 
here you just thought he was, you know, a bastard that, you know, Ned brought back from war, which a credit to his character that he's the honorable guy that he didn't actually have, you know, a bastard out of wedlock. But the, uh, you know, the fact that basically Daenerys's nephew. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, super awkward. (laughs) (laughs) But I'd really like to see some more with, I mean, I don't know how they would tie in Bronn's backstory to anything, but he's one of my favorite characters. Uh, really, I would like to see a lot of the backstory on a lot of the heroes. Um, but as far as like side stories go, I mean, I thought they've done pretty good at following up on. They introduce a character. Okay, this is kind of who they are and where they're from and what they're about. And here's some of their previous you know, actions, and this is how they're known. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, not necessarily which one did you want to see more of, but which one did you really enjoy the most? Like, I really enjoyed Arya's side story. It really had no large bearing on the overall storyline. It had no effect on the right. Battle mm-hmm. of the Seven Kingdoms, that kind of stuff. But her, you know, escaping from the initial after, you know, her dad gets killed and her pretending to be a boy and then going to the many face god and learning so all the assassins. The whole many face god thing, I just. And. It reminds me of the movie Wanted, because <laughs> yeah. in the sense that it started out, at least this is my perspective in watching it, it started out as a religion where they thought they were bringing balance to the world and where you know, you're taking care of these evil things. But then you saw in Arya's little assassination mission to kill the... Uh, the older actress mm-hmm. in the theater, really what they've turned into is just murder for hire. Just assassins, yeah. yeah. Where it's not about bringing balance to the world. It's a, in you know trying to get rid of you know evil. It's about, hey, you pay me enough and we're going to go kill these people for you. I think uh, Bran's side story oh, yeah. you know, was actually really good. Um, it kind of intermingles with a lot of the different characters, but even though it doesn't add a whole, whole lot to the story, um, it was fun to watch and the way she interacts with each every and every character and all the, you know, all mm-hmm. the struggles she's had getting through Are it. Are you saying Brienne or Bran? Brienne. Oh, okay. Brienne. Yeah, I, thought, I think me and Eugene both heard Bran. And so we're um, thinking of, you know... Which is start. also good, but no, I'm, I said Brienne because, yeah. you know, she's got all these things. She's this... this <laughs> Strong female character, but she's obviously very large, and you know. Except, I want to hear more about her backstory because I, yeah. you don't really understand. I mean, yes, she's Brienne of the House of Tarly or Tarth. Tarth. Yeah, Tarth. Tarth. She's Brienne of Tarth. Yeah, but you really don't know anything about Tarth. And she talks and about it a little bit, as far as you know, she was always fighting with the boys, and I'm sure you know she talked about how they were picking on her, and she was always going to fight no matter what. And so yeah, but that house her. isn't. Yeah, you don't you know, know anything about her house. You don't really know anything about her house. They're not really a part yeah. of the whole Westeros story. Yeah. But so. how she rose to be, you know, Renly Baratheon's first person. I mean, I know it shows a little bit um, when she's fighting in some kind of tournament. Yeah. But before that. She gets I mean, part of his King's Guard yeah. and that kind of stuff. But that's, you know, kind of the beginning of her story. And it goes all the way through until now. And she now she's developed into one of the heroes of the mm-hmm. story. Um, I, always, I thought that was a really good side quest or side story. Nope. See, this is another reason I think we can go beyond one more season. Because there's 
things like that. Or something I really want to understand more about is brand becoming the three-eyed raven and what that's really about. Mm-hmm. I more just about like what the purpose of the three-eyed raven is and what yeah, he actually and, does. And what he does and the fact that he can see back in time and he can see, you know, kind of what's going on everywhere in the world. <laughs> but I just, it's, I don't really understand it that well. And I wish they'd delve more into that story. But yeah. again, they're going to be bringing it to a halt. Yeah. So, and of course, yeah. and I don't know, I didn't read any of the books cause I'm not a reader and which we've talked about in another one, but so I don't know if they talk about that in the books at all, but I'm, I'm, I've heard the books are very wordy, which, you know, just like any, any books that go to movies, you know, the Harry Potter books, I read the Harry Potter books. I have no shame in saying that. And I liked them, but there's so much you miss uh, when they go from the book to the screen, you know, you just can't possibly fit in all the little intricacies that the books usually have. Right. Um, and there's, and creative license that takes place for Hollywood. You know, that was something yeah. that the, on some of the few exceptions and of the reading a book and then watching the movie, but like in lone survivor, you know, yeah. that was one I read the book and watched the movie and the, what took pl- the rescue that took place in the movie was completely Hollywoodized. Well, and it yeah. really wasn't like that yeah. in the book. And it wasn't, uh, which and the book is you know Mar- actually Marcus's story, mm-hmm. so uh, you know they bring in basically hey look at America into this village <laughs> and <laughs> and so it's but it's done for you know yeah. trying to attract that Hollywood audience. Well, you have to have that yeah. big climactic Action, yeah. you know and so ending. There's a lot of the books. That get to the facts of the book get distorted, yeah, to help make it a better movie, and so I don't know what it's like with Game of Thrones since I haven't read any of the books, but I really would like to know more about the whole brand's backstory. I mean, one of my favorite moments, you know, in that season was you know you have Sansa and Arya and Bran, and they're all finally back together, and Arya's being super awkward and brand is like i am the three-eyed raven and staring off into the distance and yeah. sans is like what the hell happened to you guys there's just this awkward like you know i guess we're not all the same type thing but but i gotta say i absolutely love the trial if you will of little finger oh I'm, and i was yeah i thought for sure and of course i mean this is what they set it up for but i thought for sure it was you know, Sansa's feeling as though Arya's trying to make the play mm-hmm. for, you know, her power. And so they're bringing Arya in and they're going to, you know. And so, of course, what happened I thought was great, but uh, I, was I was not really, expecting it. I was really happy to see Littlefinger die. Yeah. Um, I, I despised him because he was just one of those very sneaky, you know, he's a liar. He's manipulative. That's right, his but character. They, but what made it so believable was throughout the entire series, they have shown this, you know, hostility between Sansa mm-hmm. and Arya. Yep. They've never seen eye to eye. Yeah. They've never had, it's never even been about the, you know, family loyalty and, or anything like that. They have just 
pretty much hated each other the entire time. Yeah. And especially Arya's perspective. And I, I don't agree with her perspective on it, but her perspective when she thought that Sansa was betraying mm-hmm. Ned in the very beginning, which, you know, I looked at it where she was more of a hostage and she's, yeah. you know, basically saying what she needs to, to survive. Yeah. But from Arya's perspective, she's like, if you need to speak the truth to, and die as a result, then speak the truth yeah. and die as a result. Let me speak a little finger though. One of the characters like really has no bearing up to this point, but I couldn't stand was the kid from the fray. Oh yeah. When he's you first see him and he's suckling on the teat of Oh Robin. Robin yeah, Aaron. Robin. Yeah, Robin. Robin Aaron. Like that yeah. character, it's like I don't know if they're trying to make him, you know, kind of simple minded, autistic, or they're what are they doing, but it's just that whole character to me. And even the mom is I just don't get it. I think it. that was, I mean, I mean, developmentally, I don't think there's really anything off about him. It's the way he was raised. I mean, you can tell mom is like a super overprotective, you know, my, this is my little baby. I'm going to treat him, you know, mom yeah. is off the rock. And can't, and can't push the bird out of the nest. Correct. <laughs> and and so he's the sheltered little, but, you know. And because she had, uh, and of course we didn't find this out later, later but because she has had this basically the love affair with Littlefinger ever since she had uh, poisoned her husband Mm -hmm. there was you could tell she's this emotionally damaged and basically the only person that she had was her son and she just doesn't want to let him go Mm -hmm. and you know doesn't want him to grow up uh, because of course back then I mean and I think somebody had, one of the characters had mentioned, oh, it was when Arya shows up to the, there's some sol- some younger looking soldiers that are sitting by a campfire. Arya's on her way to West. Um, you mean when Ed uh, Sheeran's in there? Uh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. So know. he's the, he's the first guy who like sings in that, kind of, in that group and they sing and that's Ed Sheeran. Huh. Okay. And so. When she's on uh, her way, and then they're sitting down there talking about the, you know, hey, you know, my wife just had a kid, and he, she's asking, is it a boy or girl? And he says, I really hope it's a girl. And they're like, she's like, well, why? Well, because all the boys are going to go off to, you know, fight somebody else's battle and, you know, probably end up dying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the, a girl will sit there and take care of me in my old age and, you know, be yeah. around. And so I think that uh, I can't remember Robin's mom's uh, um, name, but Liza, 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 Liza yeah. yeah. And so when Liza, I think she had that perspective of, you know, I don't have anybody, and I'm gonna just I can't let him go. And so she keeps breastfeeding him till he's I don't know what ten or, <laughs> 12, or twelve or something like that. And she just. Uh, she never lets him, you know, mature because she doesn't want to lose. I don't think we'll ever see that character resurface, which is fine because he had. You know. I think we'll probably see him a little bit, but maybe not like a big role. But I think now that Littlefinger's dead, that they'll, you know, he still is in command oh, of yeah, the Frey the... army. Yeah. And so the I, I could see him coming. Because 
It's the Fraser, the Iron Islands. Uh, oh, the, no, no, it's I the, think they are, or the Veil, vale, I mean. The, the Veil. Vale. Vale. There you go. The the vale. Vale. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, the, yeah. the Veil. Vale. And so he'll come at some point, have some type of... Because, you know, the Veil vale has been who has saved them a couple different yeah. spots yeah. and whatnot. So I can see him either being on the losing side of something or being the saviors again for something. Yeah. But, you know, not necessarily him, but, you know, his, his army. Though he'll be referenced or, you know, That's whatnot. Because he's the heir to the Vale now. So, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. And then they send him off to whatever, you know, camp and that kind of stuff. <laughs> he's getting his ass beat with that sword. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, it's you know, the seven degrees of separation, like everybody, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, Jon Snow is hooking up with the, you know, Daenerys, whose dragons killed Sam, you know, Tarly's dad and brother, mm-hmm. yep. who, you know, he's hooked up with a wildling, like, incest girl from a, you know, it's just yeah. how, like, every person is still co-mingled, essentially, mm-hmm. they all... Well, and the union or continent or whatever just seems a heck of a lot smaller than they portray it to be. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's... I was was reading something today that said that it's 3,000 miles long from the northest part to the southern part. So from where the Night King is at all the way down to... Dorne, uh, I think it is. Dorne is 3,000 miles. Okay. So that's the width of the United States, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I think there's a lot of areas of the country that they could showcase more of. Um, you know, in Dorne, there's only, what, a few episodes where they're actually in Dorne. Yeah. Um, Did you notice who the Prince of Dorne was? Speaking uh, of our, uh, you know, love affair with Star Trek, he was Dr. Julian Bashir from uh, Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah. Good pick up. Now that you see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean... And, and really, they've only... I mean, how... Deep, did they really go beyond the wall where they got into, you know, how far is that to where the wilding camps were and that kind of stuff? I mean, it shows, um, I, actually, a character I really like, you know, the guy that always swings the Brathian's last bastard is still alive. It's the blacksmith and... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he runs from wherever they're at yep. nonstop back to the wall. So how far is that really? You know, because they're at that battle. and mm-hmm. I mean, that's... How far did he run? Was it 10 miles? Was it 100 miles? I mean, who yeah. knows? Mm-hmm. Um, it's all I, about that. And I think the same thing with like time. Like it's hard to really conceptualize how long in their time has it really been. Like how much older is Arya from when she started? I mean, I think they they talk about it a little bit how old she is, but like it's kind of hard to like. So, you well, know, I think part of that that I've had a hard time with is, you know, they talk about winter is coming. Well, it's not in like an annual cycle like it is for us. Yeah. It sounds like it's more really like, like twelve a, years or. I got the impression it was like a century. Yeah. And I got the impression that it was, they, they do mention time a few times. Uh, I remember Sansa's talking about how she was Joffrey's prisoner for, I think it's two or three years. But in our minds, when we're watching it, it only seems like, you know, a few months. Yeah. But they're in their universe. Everything's stretched out by quite a bit. Yeah. Well, when they talk about like, you know, it took, um, like I think when Robert Baratheon, like that trek, it takes them like a couple months yeah. to go from the you know Red Keep all the way up to Winterfell and then back and that kind of stuff. Like you know they always talk about fortnights and mm-hmm. they always talk about you know all these different time periods. So it's really hard to conceptualize how long is it really yeah. taking. You know how long is it taking them to get 
from you know Westeros to Essos and that kind of stuff. Cause there's some ships that are just like they're just like mm-hmm. bouncing back and forth, and characters are going all yeah. over the place. Um, you know the eunuch is bouncing all mm-hmm. over the place. You know how much time is that really? You know, how long was Jor really gone for to figure out how to f- cure the, yeah. the grayscale gray and whatnot? And well, and that's one of the things I have a hard time is where is you know we have the continent of Westeros and then you have where Marine and yeah, so that's Essos. Essos, Valyria, so west and east. Um, but then where is the Iron Bank in relation to? Supposedly, again, I read it some today, kind of preparing for today's episode. It sounds like there's four continents that are out there Westeros, Essos, and then these other ones that they don't really talk about. I think the Iron Bank's on one of those. And then, it, you know, where did Sam go to, you know, the, oh, to become, the library, yeah. basically? Yeah, I think that's still on Westeros. Okay. I think those characters, besides. The ones that you do see actually pop up in Essos. I think everybody stays on there. But, you know, we talked about this yesterday. Why leave? Why does anybody leave Essos to come ch- t- try to take over Westeros? Is, you know, what geolof- or geographical advantage are you getting? I mean, it seems like Essos is just as nice, if not nicer. Um, I always thought that, you know, until they, I always thought that Dorne was actually a part of Essos because they say, always talk about sailing yeah. to get there and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then. It is actually just the southernmost part of Westeros. Because uh, it all seems that all of Essos that they show is more dry climate, mm-hmm. um, kind of high desert, desert type, type of stuff, which is what Dorne kind of looks like, where everything, you know, it's more England style stuff over in Westeros and whatnot. But one of the things that helped me with that is I actually pulled up a map, you know, Game of Thrones world map, because I'm a visual learner. I, you know, yeah, I see it on the screen, cool, but I want to know where in relation. Is Daenerys to King's Landing? Where is you know Winterfell in relation to Dorne? And that that helped a lot because you can picture it a little bit yeah. better. Well, so like when Daenerys goes and saves everybody up above the wall, you know she's all the way down, essentially south of the Red Keep mm-hmm. in um, was it Dragon's Keep or whatever it is? Yeah. And then yeah. she flies her dragon, essentially at least fifteen hundred miles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm guessing with the walls at least halfway. Yeah you know, up there and then saves them all. They hop on. And then for whatever reason, then she gets on, no, she flies some of them back, drops them off. They all get on a boat and then sail back. Yeah. And she just flies back on her own. Yeah. Like some of that stuff to me, like, and how long did that take? How long was that journey? Mm-hmm. You know, going back to that and whatnot, like how long was, you know, Jon Snow up, you know, captive of the wildlings and then going back and then, you know, all those different well, and the wildlings is something I would like to see explored as mm-hmm. a story a little bit more yeah. as well. Because, you know, yeah, they're, you know, they're a little bit more brutal, but you kind of have to be when you're yeah. trying to survive in the wild. You know, if you look at in medieval times here, people were a lot more brutal when it came to, you know, either attacking other people or, you know, animals or whatever, but it's because they had to, to survive in that time. And so if you have somebody, you know, around here, we look at, uh, you know, if I want steak for dinner, I go to the store and, you know, buy a steak. But if I was living out in the woods and I had to go hunt my own game and then, you know, uh, basically butcher it up out there 
in the field, you know, tan the hide to, you know, make, you know, uh, blankets and stuff for myself. It's a little bit more violent. So I don't really feel that the wildlings are really that, no, that bad of an enemy. They seem to be more uncivilized. Uncivilized because they are. I mean, it's very much like when Rome was at its peak, when, you know, I'd say Essos is kind of like Rome when it was at the time, both geographically and how they were set up. And then England is more like Westeros is. And then mm-hmm. that wall and above is what now modern day Scotland and that kind of yeah. stuff is. It mm-hmm. was, you know, they had a wall back then and it was all, you know, people who were above there were more, you know, was it the Saxons and whatnot yeah. before they really, you know, came south. You know, they were more uncivilized and Rugged. all militaristic yeah. and that kind of stuff. I think they take a lot of, you know, points from all those different ones. But, you know, I think the wildlings, though, they also have a lot of, you know, characters that you know i've enjoyed um the um the king that they had you know he was one that you know he it's just crazy how they like let these people oh i'm just here i know i'm a bad guy i'm gonna come in and you're we're gonna talk and then you're gonna let me leave mm-hmm. yeah. you know john snow essentially goes in there and then ends up you know befriending them and then um hooking up with eugene's girlfriend <laughs> of, uh, you know my favorite is one of my Ingrid. favorites yep and she's awesome. It would be interesting. I'd like to see, cause they don't show that much of the wildling culture. Right. I mean, they talk that, about this. Exactly. That's they, what I'd like to see. They talk about this group, you know, a hundred thousand strong. There's going to be culture there. And they talk about the different tribes and how they were brought together. You know, the thins who are bastards and you know, then they talk about all these different clans. Well, well, then you a, see the ones that, uh, so before they made their attack on the wall, the ones that came across and then were attacking mm-hmm. Castle Black from, you know, uh, south of the wall, you see that you had, I mean, very different, I mean, even different in appearance yeah. and clans. I mean, the guys that were kind of a little bit more ashen white with the, you know, the like scar marks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Them, I mean, who are, I mean, look like a completely different tribe yeah. from. I mean, they were essentially the. Um, the Boltons up there, you know, they were, yep, they'd kill people yeah. and eat them and that kind of stuff. So they had that different level of brutality and that kind of stuff. And that was just, they said their culture. That was what they, you know, were accustomed to. Where then there's more who are more kind of the farmers or agriculturists mm-hmm. or like that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the warriors and whatnot. But I'm concerned that if they do do a spinoff of some sort, the thing about Game of Thrones is there's so much going on. You know, there's always something new, a new storyline. There's, you know, these new adventures. There's these new struggles, new people. My concern is if they do some type of spinoff or backstories, that there won't be that grand of a scale. Um, It could be done because there's so many different side stories you can explore. But I think to do it right, that's how they're going to have to do it, is essentially a whole other Game of Thrones series, but with the spinoffs. Yeah. So I you think could you go, could do you a, like all the mini series. Like if you just did like this is a six episode run mini series mm-hmm. of some well, even background then, or something. You know, what about running a different series that because we've talked about it before. I mean, basically what we all are dancing around is we want to know more about the backstories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we look at you know, young Ned and the fights he was in and we want to know about you know, how, you know, Brienne of Tarth's family. And we, we want to know about all of these things. So, yeah, 
roll back the clock. I mean, how, uh, what's uh, the Lannister grandpa that, uh, Tyrell? Tywin. 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 Tywin, yeah. So, you know, how Tywin came to be the, you know, powerhouse of uh, Westeros. Roll back to when they were. Yeah, so basically doing a prequel series that shows I mean I think you just everything. if you covered like Robert's Rebellion and even just like a little like what lead up to Robert's Rebellion and mm-hmm. then finish of Robert's Rebellion because then it would naturally because it sounds like at the end of Robert's Rebellion they had decades of peace mm-hmm. where well you know quote unquote peace where there wasn't really anybody right vying for the throne you know it sounds like Robert Baratheon was the king for a decade or two mm-hmm. and so having that because I mean it sounds like Daenerys is like late teens, you know, early twenties toward now, and then you know she was taken away when she was a like toddler, a baby. Or an infant, yeah. or something yeah. like that. So you know, it sounds like it's fifteen, twenty years that I think you could cover some of that leading up to that. You know, because I think that would tell a lot of backstory for each individual house. Because it sounds like the houses were kind of more divided under the Mad King, and then I think covering the entire, just like you said, the whole rebellion. You know. The events leading up to all the way up until essentially when you know uh, Jamie Lannister buries his sword in the Mad King's back and having Robert take over because you know you have the battle scenes, you have the the love stories, you have all this stuff going on, yep. uh, and you can introduce all the Targaryens, you know who they were, what they were. Although about. I will say that would leave there's a lot of mystery that takes place in. Game of Thrones that that prequel would eliminate. For instance, Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, I mean, we don't find out until the end of the season seven really who he is. Yeah. And so if you did a prequel, okay, now we're going to, you know, the prequel is going to let on. So then when you're watching... You know, if you're watching it in progression, then it's like, okay, yeah, well, but I mean, it's why the, is it this... It's episode one through three. I mean, it's yeah. it's the origin of, you know, Darth Vader's Anakin Skywalker yeah. and that yeah. kind of stuff. So I think that you could... Now that it's over, you know, it wouldn't be something you wouldn't want to run it as a parallel, but once it's over, you could then start over with that or something that... Or, you know, it's far enough ahead now that you could run it. But, you know, I don't think it'd be something like... You don't want to stretch it that one too far either. Mm-hmm. Like, you, don't, you don't want to make that one longer than this one. Yeah. Can you make it like... You know, a known, okay, we're going to run this for three seasons, and you know, you're going to have from. And so people kind of like, they're not necessarily surprised, but it's just, I mean, everybody kind of knows for the most part the history of the Vikings, but they still watch Vikings because they know. Well, it's kind of They want to see all the, you know, more of the backstory and how all these, you know, different. Not to segue too far in. onto it, it's kind of interesting because I'm really into uh, Vikings, but one of the characters I hate the most is Ivor. And one of the interesting things that I read was, of course, a lot of the literature from back then was destroyed. And the translation could have been, it was either Ivor the Boneless or Ivor the Ruthless or something like that. So depending on how you translate it, now the series took the Boneless, you know, thing with, making him this uh, cripple that is going, you know, is rising up where I have such a hard time with that. And not that, you know, think that somebody with a disability could rise, but in that era 
for Vikings who are all warriors that the person that's going to rise to power is somebody who can't even walk. And yeah. so I have a hard time with I mean, that. It, the, the but Vikings then you look at way, Spartans were that way. I mean, it was yeah. You know, but then you look the at the fact that well, you know, maybe it wasn't even translated correctly, and yeah. he wasn't Ivor the Boneless. And then the whole story of making him this cripple didn't really happen because mm-hmm. there was no. I mean, as far as I'm aware, there's nothing that actually says he was a cripple. You know, moving forward. But yeah. anyways, all right. Last thoughts, final input on Game of Thrones. I mean, obviously we're all in support of it. I mean, this is hour and a half of us bouncing around all over the place, mm-hmm. kind of giving our thoughts and feelings. Well, you think you guys want to? I'd just like to see more. Like I said, I'm, I'm really excited for the upcoming season. Um, I kind of appreciate the fact that they're not running it so far that, you know, they run the series into the dirt. I'd rather see a series end before its peak than watch a series that I love just kind of drop off and lose popularity and just fall off the map. So, I mean, I'm sad that they only have one more season, but part of me is like, okay, understood. Is If they can finish it right, if they can tie up all the loose ends, but if they have even one loose end of what about this or mm-hmm. what that, that well, to me it'll be Here's one of the big things that has, before I watched the last episode of season seven, I mean, obviously Daenerys and John, you know, it was kind of, you know, he's the king of the north and she wants to be the queen of all of uh, Westeros. And they kind of were getting this little thing kindling between them. And so I'm like, okay, well, the perfect solution is they get married and they rule together as, you know, king and queen. But now, knowing who he is, and once that sort of becomes public, here's the question I have. John is the rightful heir mm-hmm. to the throne, not Daenerys. Will Daenerys step aside, or is it going to become a civil war where you know Daenerys is fighting John, or what? What's his name? Aegon, or whatever yeah. his real name is. But you know, is that civil war going to light up? I don't think so. I mean, I think he's already been to the knee to her and knowing that he's the king of the north and his plan, not his plan, but, you know, his push was to eventually take over everything and become, you know, king of all the kingdoms. I can say, but then he bent the knee to her and was like, you know, what? I don't want it. Just let me be the warden of the north and we'll call yeah. it good. And I don't see John squaring up with Daenerys. He doesn't want the I power don't really that much. See, I don't really see him squaring up with her, but you you look at you know, everything's about the bloodlines and who these rightful heirs are. And, you know, obviously Joffrey was not, you know, the person to put on the throne or neither was Tommen, but they were the bloodline to put in power. And so John is the bloodline to put in power. Mm -hmm. And, but really he doesn't have an interest in ruling uh, although Daenerys does, I can't remember who all actually knows that though. At this point, I think right Bran. Now it's just Bran. Just yeah. Bran. Yeah, just Bran. Yeah, because it kind of shows like at the end, like it's his. They're kind of do. I think they do like a like a vignette ne- next to each other, mm-hmm. where it's like they're getting going in there to get busy, and it's like, oh hey, by the way, here's this other person. Because then um, Sam 
was able he recalled yeah. the so I think ceremony. Oh, the secret marriage. Yeah. Yeah. So Sam, I think, might have be starting to put it all together or whatnot. I mean, I think he's gonna be the linchpin, especially I think once he finds out that it's Daenerys that killed his family and that kind of stuff. That yeah, but <clears throat> you know, it, it is a yeah. But he didn't like his family anyway, so no. Sure. But I think he's still pretty. It actually loyal. puts him at the head of his mm-hmm. family. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I would really like to see. Oh no, him. that's right, because his dad took away his name he and title. Him, yeah, stripped yeah. him. As his I name would and title. like to see uh, a Robert's Rebellion series. You know, just as grand as the current Game of Thrones, but maybe eight episodes, something like that. And but overall, like I said, I'm I've been very impressed with the show. Yeah. I just want to see the dragons survive. Have them find a way to convert. <laughs> yeah. the, uh... And, you know, obviously I wouldn't want to see her brought back uh, as, you know, one of the dead, but, you know, shown more of Ingrid. Yeah. I can She'd stand. come back too. Yeah. yeah. You just got to find whatever show she's on now and, yeah. you know, enjoy her that way. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody for coming on today. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll see you next time. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved. We do not represent any organization, current, former employer, agency, community, group, government entity, or individual not present during the recording. The hosts of discussions around the table and their guests are not subject matter experts on the topics that are discussed unless strictly expressed by the host or their guests. Any information given on the podcast is done so in good faith, if no malicious intent, or intentional misrepresentation. While the hosts and their guests have taken every precaution to ensure the content is both current and accurate, errors can occur. We make no representations as to the accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information on this podcast. We should not be held liable for any errors, omissions, or delays in this information, or any losses, injuries, or damages arising from its use. It is the listener's responsibility to verify their own facts and form their own opinions. The listener should consult with a licensed professional who may their particular factual situation for advice before making any legal, financial, business, or personal decisions based on the information from this podcast. Any action taken based on the information of this podcast is strictly at your own risk.